Welcome to the broadcast of Riverside Church in Princeton, North Carolina. Riverside Church preaching Christ and Him crucified. For more information, check out our website at www.riversidefwb.com. Here, uh, as you grab your Bible, I want to remind you we choose to believe the Bible because it is a reliable collection of historical documents written by eyewitnesses during the lifetime of other eyewitnesses. It reports supernatural events that took place in fulfillment of prophecy. It's divine, non-human in origin. We here at Riverside believe in sola scriptura, which is Latin. That means the Bible and the Bible alone. We also believe in sola fide, which is Latin. That means faith and faith alone. We also believe in sola Christus, which is Latin. Latin, it means Jesus and Jesus alone. Don't give me nothing but Jesus. We also believe in sola gracia, and that's Latin, and it means, it means grace and grace alone. We're saved simply by grace. And the final Latin phrase that I'll give you tonight is sole deo gloria, and it means for God's glory and His glory alone. That means tonight's preaching is for His glory. That means the gathering is for His glory. The scattering is for His glory. Getting up tomorrow to go to work is for His glory glory. Getting off of work and resting and eating a good meal is for His glory. Raising up our children is for His glory. Living a single life is for His glory. All for the glory of God tonight. And I do hope you have your Bible in your hand. If you would like to see my notes, well you have them in your hand. We're going verse by verse chapter by chapter in the book of James tonight. In the book of James, I want you to turn to James chapter number 1. Last week we established who James was. We spoke about James being the half brother of Jesus. Now we know that Jesus is God because I've got brothers and I told you there is no way in the world I'm going to tell you that one of my brothers is God. I can tell you they probably are the devil but there's no way that they are God. So we know explicitly that James has been converted by the power of God. That James really knows that Jesus is the Son of God born to the Virgin Mary and now ascended on high at the right hand of the Father. But James was also the one who was instrumental there in Jerusalem to establish the early church. He was Pastor James. He was also called Old Camel Knees. He was called Old Camel Knees because he had calluses on his knees because of how much he prayed. We would do well to get calluses on our knees. We would do well to hit our knees in prayer and cry out to God, knowing that He is the one who supplies all my needs according to His riches and grace. Amen. But tonight we're looking in James chapter number 1. We're going to pick up in verse number 19. Last time if you missed, you missed a good one. These are good practical things that we can apply to our lives. But tonight we're going to be learning about hearing and doing the Word of God. I want you to understand that in the very first verse here in verse 19, know this, my beloved brothers, let everyone be quick to hear. Let's unpack that. I want you to understand tonight that people are quick to speak. They are slow to hear. They are waiting for their response. A lot of times people only listen, but while they're listening, they're putting together their counter argument. They're not listening. It wasn't, it wasn't long ago this past week. I was seated, seated, seating, uh, sitting with someone and they were telling me that nobody's listening to my screams. Nobody hears me. And I was saying, uh, he's probably right because we're so quick to answer. We're so quick to put in our opinion. Uh, an old r- a rabbi was known to say, men have two ears but one tongue. That they should hear more than they speak. The ears are always open, ready to receive instruction, but the tongue is surrounded with a double row of teeth to hedge it in and keep it within proper bounds. 
If you didn't know what that means, that means you got two ears and one mouth. You should listen as much as you speak. But we are quick to speak. We're slow to, we're slow to listen. We do well if we fall back and do a cross-reference. For those who are taking notes, that Proverbs chapter 10, verse 19, the, the wisdom of Solomon tells me when words are many, sin is not absent. But he who holds his tongue is wise. Are you one who was, who was quick to speak, slow to listen, and quick to get angry? Because we see here that he says in verse 19, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. I ask you tonight, are you quick to not listen? Are you quick to speak? And are you quick to anger? No, no, I'm not mad. I'm not mad at all as you get up and walk out of the room and slam the door behind you. I'm not offended at all. There will be a lot less divorces, a lot less war, a lot less decades of family members not speaking to each other if we were quick to listen. Are you quick to listen tonight? Or do you want to chime in with your opinions? Are you receiving the Word of the Lord tonight? Are you quickly listening? Uh, Here we see that uh, Kent Hughes, I'll give you a wonderful quote. He says, I understand that I'm here to speak and you are here to listen. Let's hope we both finish at the same time. Uh, Tonight as I tell you and, and proclaim to you the Word of God, you're listening and I hope that you don't clock out like we read in the book of Acts of a young man who was on a third story window seal as the apostle Paul preached a little long winded that night and as he kept preaching the young man fell out the window and hit his head and died until the, uh, the apostle Paul later and stretched across his body prayed over him and rose him back to life I pray that nobody drops dead here tonight to get our point across. But once they rose that young man up from the dead, he come back upstairs and they finished Bible study. And I guarantee you nobody else dozed off, even though there was candles flickering and it was early in the morning. And a little stuffy as heat rises and the Apostle Paul exegeting, so saith the Lord. I understand that people fall asleep. I understand that. Usually it's their medication. Maybe they didn't sleep good that night. Maybe it's not that interesting. But let us grasp what the apostles, not the apostle, but the brother of Jesus is telling us here. He's telling us to be quick to listen. That we should prepare to listen. That our our preparing to worship God begins on Saturday. That we get a good night's sleep. We lay out our clothes. We prepare ourselves to be quick to listen. Uh, uh, for those who don't know, that song like Easy Like Sunday Morning wasn't written by anybody who had kids to go to church on a Sunday morning. Let me, let me explain. Sunday mornings, I bet, are some of the most tor- worn, torn times for most families as they prepare to go to church. Well, where's your pants? You can't wear that. Where's your shoes? Get ready for church. We're going to go serve the Lord. I'm sure that we hear in most houses. <laughs> Ask me how I know. <laughs> but we must prepare. When Even if you don't receive a phone call from the preacher telling you to get your mind right as the service to God begins not on Sunday morning, but that night as you're preparing your mind and your heart and your soul, I'll remind you the text that we'll go over. I'll say, go ahead and read over it so we'll unpack it. This past Saturday, it didn't work because there was an error in our phone system. However, you should have already prepared yourself for the text this this morning in the text tonight.
tonight because you know exactly where I'm going to be preaching from. This should not be a surprise to you. You know we're in Luke and you know we're in John. I mean, James, see, <laughs> I was making sure you were quick to listen. See, you see how I did that? <laughs> but you should already have read the text, being quick to listen. You should already be familiar to what saith the Lord. And we unpack it together. He tells us to be quick to listen. Do you prepare yourself to come into the house of the Lord? Do you prepare yourself to come into His presence? If a dignitary or a king were to visit your home, you would probably tidy up a little bit. You're preparing yourself for the visitation. As you come into the house of the Lord, are you prepared to receive what saith the Lord? Are you a little tired? Is your mind on something else? Be quick to grasp and listen and receive what saith the Lord. Let every person be quick. Quick to hear. Instead of giving a quick response. Psalms 46 verse 10, for those who are taking notes. Psalm 46 verse 10 David writes, be still and know that I am God. That we should be quick to listen. Far too many times we want to inject our thoughts. What do you think about this? Far too many times we give our unsolicited advice. Let us be quick to listen. I believe the old adage is, speech is silver but silence is golden. Well, we listen. You should listen twice as much as you speak. In verse number 19, we see that if we're quick to hear, we're slow to speak. That we should not shoot from the hip. Now, this is hard to preach. I'm just going to be honest because y'all know me. I'll shoot back quick. I'm sarcastic. Uh, if I'm not in the pulpit, I got something to say. <laughs> and it usually is not, it's not good. I'm going to be honest with you. I, I am fallible. I am a sinner. And, and, and I will blow things out of proportion. And that's something that God is working on me. I want to let you know that your preacher is full of flaws. I know you're surprised. You can ask my wife. She'll let you know. She'll list them off for you one by one. Let you know what I'm lacking. But this cut's going in and out. I can't go around this verse. We can't skip it. That's what we do here at Riverside, even when it convicts the preacher. We walk hand in hand together. I know nobody here deals with that. Well, you're you're quick to listen and slow to speak. I know not nobody here has to worry about it. <laughs> I'm lying in the pulpit. I know you. You're just like me. You, you want to say something. You get quick and you jump to conclusions. We do a lot of exercise around here. We jump to conclusions and run our mouths. So let's be honest. That's a lot of exercise. Amen, somebody. But we see here that in Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 2, once again, the, the wisest man who ever lived, who penned Ecclesiastes, he tells us, be not... Rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God. For God is in heaven and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. You've heard the old adage. People will think you're wise until you open your mouth and prove them otherwise. Usually whenever someone is solemn and quiet, you think there must be a lot of wisdom in them. And usually that is true. Usually the loudest person in the room is the person who's the most afraid, the person who's most unsure, because they're letting everybody know what they think. They wear the emotions on their sleeves as well as their opinion and lets everybody know what's running through their mind. You don't have to do that. In fact, it's not biblical. 
You should be slow to speak. Why does it say be slow to speak? Because you should contemplate what you're getting ready to say. Did you know that every word we utter, we will give an account before God on judgment day? Some of us like me who can talk really fast has a lot to stand before God and give an account for. You do well to be slow to speak. A person who shoots off at the hip and who's easily who's easily uh, quick to speak and, and quick to anger. That kind of person will never take root into the Word of God. Because when you tell them what the Word says, they want to counter with their opinion. And they'll say, well, that's Paul's opinion. Do you believe I actually heard somebody say that recently? That's just what Paul thinks. That's not really biblical. Yeah, I know. I laugh too, brother. I'll tell you, brother. That made me laugh. Like, well, which part is his opinion? Where, where do we decide where his opinion ends and God's word begins? It's all infallible. The very words of God and we receive the oracles of God as if God is speaking himself. It's not his opinion. So saith the Lord is what it says. Second Timothy 3 15 says, the word of God is for training in righteousness and correction. Right. Training in holiness. Mm-hmm. We see that Tonight, maybe you're, you're not so quick to listen because you might disagree in what I'm saying. But you do well to listen. Amen. And don't be quick to speak. Amen. Then you'll be slow to anger. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30-32, Paul writes to the Ephesus church, he says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you. Along with all malice, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Amen. Notice how Paul puts it, that we are to put away wrath and anger. Usually when someone's angry, they don't say quiet very long. They will blow up. It's just a matter of who and when. Well, what are you mad about? Maybe if you get along with somebody and work out that process, whether it's a counselor, a biblical counselor, a deacon, a minister, a pastor, or you just get along with God in your Bible and hash it out, He will heal you and He will help. Then you'll be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. But here he tells us that wrath and anger and clamor and slander should be put away from you. Clamor is just being a busybody about it everywhere, all around, calling everybody. Hey, did you hear so and so is going through this? Did you? Did you know what? Let me let, let me tell you that uh, gossip is when you talk about a person and you're not edifying them, and they're not even there. Gossip is the job of the slanderer. And if you don't know who the slanderer is, the Bible says the slanderer is the devil. So when you gossip, you're doing the devil's job. He's taking applications. He He needs all the help he can get. So when you gossip, you're slandering the bride of Christ, the pastor, the deacons, the church down the road, another brother who actually fell and he's in sin. Instead of praying over them and telling them the gospel, you're gossiping about them. You're a slanderer. Repent. Repent. He says that they should be put away from you with all malice. That means evil intention. How many times have you said something and you cut them and you knew it cut them and you wanted to cut them? I've done that. 
used my tongue as if it were a machete to cut them because I wanted to jab them. Oh yeah, I'm flesh and bone just like you. So I must adhere to what saith the Lord, that I'll be slow to speak, quick to listen, and slow to anger. Let that be your verse this week as you start your Monday. That I'll be quick to listen. A lot of times, arguments will be put out if people just listen. I don't like how they said that. Listen to what they said, how they said it. Look at their body language. Usually what they're saying is not really the issue. There's something else way underneath. Slow to speak. Because sometimes when we speak and fire back, fire from the hip like we're in the Old West, just pulling our pistol from our belt to fire back at them, all we're doing is damaging them all the more. Causing our brothers to stumble. Let us be quick to listen. Slow to speak. And slow to anger. We must remember that in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, we're forgiving one another as Christ forgave you. Oh, I know what they said will hurt. And they probably meant to hurt you. But you're not called to carry a grudge. And only forgive them as much as Christ has forgiven you. Whoever's in here today and you're carrying burdens and anger and bitterness that's decades old and might even have turned into gangrene by now and it's affecting everything about you, forgive. Oh, that's easy to preach, preacher. Hey, weren't we supposed to be slow to speak? Listen. Be quick to listen. We bow our heads and receive the oracles of God. This is not my opinion. This is not some pop psychology. This is so saith the Lord. There'll be... We're quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. We want to reverse it. We want to be quickly angered. We want to answer quickly and not even listen. For an overseer in verse in Titus chapter one, verse seven, for an overseer seer as God's steward must be above reproach is what Paul was telling the young evangelist Titus who's now a pastor. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or drunkard or violent or greedy for gain. This is what Paul was telling what a preacher should be. But we should also realize that a preacher is simply a Christian with certain giftings. Not everybody here is a preacher. But everybody here is a reacher. The same qualifications that fall on me as the pastor and preacher here fall on you who are in the pews. That you should not be quick-tempered. You should be sober. You should be a steward above reproach. You should not be arrogant or quick-tempered. You should not be a drunkard or violent or for in it for a greedy gain. I know in June we will come together and we'll vote all across the board for all the officers at the river. I'm looking forward to it. But we also will vote on the preacher. I say, why don't we vote on the members as well? Are you living above reproach? Are you sober? Are you arrogant and greedy? Are you you one who's quick-tempered? Are you one who's a good steward to what God gave you? Ooh, no preacher, we want to vote on you. Well, we might not do that, but I wanted to put it in full perspective for you. 
Amen, preacher. He got real quiet. Amen, preacher. That you don't outsource your worship. You don't pay the preacher to spoon feed you, so saith the Lord. You don't pay the preacher to pray for you. That's like hiring a butler to, to date your spouse for you. No, Jesus is our, our bridegroom and we are His bride. A bride and a groom have intimate relationship with one another. And we are His and He is ours. I am not your go-between. There is one mediator between man and God and that's the Christ, Jesus. Amen, Amen somebody. Amen. Are you slow to listen, quick to speak, and quick to anger? That's what I ask you. In Proverbs 29, 11, once again, the wisest man who ever lived, who wrote most of the Proverbs says, A fool gives full vent to his spirit, but a wise man quietly holds it back. I, I know you're angry about what they said. Hold it back. For if God was quick with His wrath on you every time you offended Him, you would be dead right now six feet under. Or you'll be a pile of ashes where He struck you dead. He holds back His wrath. And if God has held back His wrath on you, then you can show mercy to somebody else and forgive them. Being quick to listen. Slow to speak. And slow to anger. Don't flip the script. Don't be quick to get mad. Quick to speak. And less, less quick to listen. We see in verse number 20. For, ang- for the anger of man does not produce righteousness of God. We can see in verse 20 that we cannot beat somebody until they're righteous. If we could, boy, I would load up a couple of people. we stop by a couple of houses, drag them into the yard, and beat the Holy Ghost into them. But we can't, y'all, we can't. I looked it up, we can't. <laughs> we see here, he says, that the, the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. That means to that person who is long-suffering with someone in your life who's either in addiction or somebody who's just done you wrong, lied to you consistently. That you being angry at them is not what leads them to repentance. It's not. Only the work of God will change them. So you being mad at them won't do anything. All it will do is drive a wedge between you and them. We can't beat holiness into people. We can't slap righteousness into them. I know you want to. But see how practical... James is to us in our everyday living. This is James who is the stepbrother of Jesus. He knew Jesus growing up. He saw Him every day. Jesus was the older brother. He didn't believe He was the Messiah until He saw Him physically there after the resurrection. Then He was converted. And He says, if I know anybody, that's my half-brother. He heard the story of Moses. I mean, not Moses, of Mary. Of Mary, she stood around and said, No, he was conceived in a womb that was a virgin. Heard Mary tell of the prophecies that God overshadowed her. And now Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Yes, he was familiar with Jesus. And it wasn't until he saw him ascending on high, he believed that he is the one true God. And he heard all the teachings of Jesus. No, he didn't always believe. 
But somehow the Holy Spirit quickened his heart and he believed that Jesus is God. And he now teaches us because he grew up with Jesus the very way he saw Jesus live. He put pen to paper and we know that Jesus was quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. He also knows that the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. So whoever you are, you've been at somebody because they ain't been doing right. Instead of being angry at them, you can be angry at the sin. But you can plead for them on their behalf, crying out to God. Amen. Some of y'all been mad at somebody so long, you stop praying for them. How about we just start praying for them again? I'm so mad and I can't even get over it. If tonight you can only pray, Father, help them through your gritted teeth, let's begin there. Because you've been so mad. And you want them to see you mad. Well, we always hear that phrase, why don't we cut out all the toxic people in our lives? What if Jesus did that? Where would we be? I'm not saying run back home and join your old crew and do what you used to do. We know that Jesus used to hang with sinners, tax collectors and prostitutes. But He didn't do what they were doing. He was there calling them to righteousness and holiness. And if you can't do that yet, don't go back there at the old home place and do that. But you can pray for them here. Forgive them right here. And ask God to lift that anger out of you. That you'll be slow to speak, quick to listen, and slow to anger. And then in verse 21, if we could skip that, it'd be okay. Is that okay with y'all? No, we ain't skipping it, bro. We're going to read this. In verse 21, it says, Therefore put away our filthiness and our rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted Word which is able to save your soul. I'm all for when God's He's a God of grace. I'm all for when He walks with me through the valley. I'm all for when God leave the 99 to find that. Well, I love I, that. I love to hear. I love to preach that. And I know you love to hear that. But when God calls you to do something, mm, can we skip that? I don't like that because God wants me to do something now. In verse 21, He tells us to put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness. We're to put those things away. Ephesians 4.29, let no corrupt word leave my mouth. Whenever we speak, you know what that is? It's just your heart with a megaphone. What is in your heart comes out your mouth in conversations. Whether it's blaspheming God's name, gossiping, slandering someone, that's already in your heart. Have you ever stumped your toe and found you saying a word you shouldn't have said? The preacher might bless you if you heard it. You, I shouldn't have said that. I, that wasn't my fault. The devil made me do it. No, that was already in you. Like you take a mason jar with clear water, but in the bottom is sediment, some dirt, some dirt. And that water will stay clear unless that jar is shook up. That's what happens. There was sin laying dormant in your heart, in your life. And something come along and stirred it up and everything got mucky and a little dirty. There's sin in us that lays dormant. And things come across our lives and comes across our path that stirs us up. And we even surprise ourselves. We think, I should have been more holier than that. I should have handled that a little differently. We go down these paths and we face these obstacles to show us that we have not arrived. We are not bulletproof. Paul even said, I have not arrived. However, he tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, imitate me. Do what I do. 
A lot of us can't say that. We'll be afraid to do that. Because when, it's, when we say imitate me, that means, that means we only are Christians on uh, Sundays and maybe Wednesdays. But we come to church once a month. Or, or, or we only read our Bible once in a while. And we only pray when we're in trouble. So we don't really say that. Paul was bold to say that. Can you say that? Imitate me as I serve Christ. Are you walking in integrity? Are you, are you quick to listen? Are you slow to speak and slow to anger? Well, what about you, preacher? No, I'm not. I'm working. I'm working. I know we were saved by faith alone. And a lot of people would like to put the book of James against the book of Romans. And they believe they butt heads. Because the book of Romans tells us that we're justified by faith alone. But I want to tell you, when you have faith in something, faith is never alone. There's always works that come with it. In the book of Romans, we are saved by faith alone. Before God, we simply trust Him. But in the book of James, it's brought down to an eye level that you have works because of your faith. They don't conflict with each other. They clink with each other. Like a, a Swiss watch that's finely tuned. you got some gears that go this way and some gears that press against it that way. And it all works. We are saved by faith alone. But we are never having our works without faith what I'm saying is if you believe that Jesus forgives sinners you forgive yourself and forgive sinners around you if you believe that that He's slow to anger towards you you'll be slow to anger because what you believe is how you'll be living Believe is just an old English word that we lifted up from the old English dictionary and it's two words be living What you believe is how you'll be living. Mm -hmm. If you really believe Jesus died for sinners, you'll live that way. You'll preach that. And you won't look down on anybody else. Oh, I ain't looking down on them. I know they don't dress like I want them to. I know they don't act like I want them to. But I've been saved by grace. And it's the same grace that saved me, saved them. I'm preaching better than y'all acting. We see here that He tells us to put away all filthiness, and rampant wickedness. There's no room here for us to be flip-flopping. He tells us to put it away. You should not be a Jekyll and a Hyde. You can't draw sweet water as well as sour, sour, putrid water from the same well. It has to all be the same. Oh, I know you can walk into church on a Sunday and a Wednesday and say all the right things. Praise God, brother. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Say all that stuff. Then walk out the door and cuss out somebody. That's not going to work in the kingdom of God. You're all His. He's Lord of all or not at all. We are to put away all filthiness. Those things that are counter to holiness. If you want to know if you should watch that television show, if you want to know if you should watch that movie, does it make you holier? That, that, okay, that hits a little different. Should I go to that website? Will it cause you to compromise your righteousness? Will it cause you to think other things? Should I have this conversation with this person? If it causes you to be holy, yes, have that relationship. Can I enjoy this entertainment? If it does not cause you to check out and leave your righteousness and your holiness on the doorstep outside because of what you're watching is so filthy and so defiling and so repulsive to a holy God, 
then you shouldn't watch that. I'm not going to give you a list and give you a TV guide marking and circling all the movies and all the television shows you should and should not watch. I'm not going to go to your house and get your dictionary and blot out all the bad words. Does it make you holy? Does it bring glory to God? Does it honor Him? Does it cause you to forsake filthiness and think about higher things? Does it cause you to think righteous words and holy words before a holy God? Mm, Got real quiet. He tells us that we are to put all these filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save our souls. We as free moral agents are required before God to do something. God didn't save you to sit on your pew. He saved you to do something. Read the book of Ephesians. That He has equipped you for good works to go out and do something for Him. I know you've heard it for years. I'm saved by grace alone and we think that's all there is. But when you're saved by such a radical grace, you can't simply sit on your hands. It changes you. I've got to tell somebody else about this. This is too good to just sit on. You're basically, basically denying the Great Commission to go into the byways, the highways, compelling them to come in. You're like a firefighter who sits in the fire truck while outside a house is on fire and the people inside are perishing. But you're sitting in the fire truck because you're faithful to the fire department. We sit in our pews here at the river while the world around us is burning. And we think we're being faithful to God because we hear grace alone. Grace alone. Yes, grace alone. Faith alone. But our grace and our faith will be seen in our works. Martin Luther said, God don't need your good works, but your neighbor does. Good works means, hey, you want to go to church with me tonight? Hey, you want to read the Bible together? You want to pray about that thing? That's good works. Leading them into the holy of holies. Telling them there's a Jesus who died for sinners because you're really actually walking it out, believing it, and doing it. God didn't save you just to sit on your pew. So I'll see your faith by the way you speak. I'll see your faith by what you talk about, where you spend your free time. He actually tells us, those that are His, that we're to put away filthiness and rampant wickedness. In 1 Peter chapter 2, 1 through 2, Peter puts it like this, so put away all malice and all deceit and all hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Put those things away. If you find something you're doing in there, put it away. That means get it out of your life. Take out your deceit. Get rid of malice. Evil intention to get even with somebody. Take away hypocrisy. Get it out of your life. Get rid of envy. Where you look at other people, count their blessings while ignoring your own. He tells us to get rid of all slander. Don't speak evil against your enemy. He tells us, like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation. Mm. That when we're saved by God, we have not arrived. There's still growing to do. If you're finding yourself in this list with malice and deceit and hypocrisy in your life, if you see a pattern of that, today's the day to repent and trust in God and to begin to grow. 
Recently in our, in our house, we've, I mean, like recently, like yesterday, <laughs> uh, my wife went and got some baby chicks. And this is a new endeavor for us because we ain't no farm people. But Sherry been wanting some baby chicks. And they come in, they're very small. And they're going to eat feed and they're going to grow. We didn't receive them from the place we bought them from, fully developed. It'll take time for them to grow, to get strong, get nurtured, get their feet under them, and be able to produce eggs, which is what we're planning on. But it's not going to happen overnight. So tonight, if you feel ill-equipped and you don't feel fully developed, that's okay. I want to let you know that Jesus walks with the weak little lambs. He walks along those who stumble and fall. He don't get too far ahead and He leaves you behind. That's not how it works. He is a good shepherd. In Psalms 23, He says, you are with me. That don't mean He's way ahead of me or way behind me. He's right with me. So if you stumbled and failed tonight, you find some of the stuff that I'm talking about going on in your life where you're full of hypocrisy, where you put on a face for everybody else, but really that's not who you are before God. If you find yourself dealing with envy, if you find yourself dealing with deceit and malice, well, we can become like newborn infants and long for the spiritual milk that is only given to us that we grow up into salvation. That nobody here's nobody here's arrived. Don't be fooled. Whether you're visiting or you're a member here or you're just an attender. That the people with the silver hair and the people with hardly any hair and the people who have a little age on them, they are dealing with the same things you are dealing with. They're fighting hypocrisy and envy, slander and anger. They're dealing with a, a sharp tongue. They're dealing with the, being uh, uh, one who doesn't listen like they should. Do you know why? Because Jesus died for sinners because that's all there is. If you feel like you don't deserve heaven, well, good. Because nobody here does. We're simply saved by grace. And once we receive that grace, it animates us and wants us to tell other people the good news and the mercy that God has poured out on us. Amen. So we see that He tells us here that the implanted Word, which is able to save your souls in verse 21. See, what we don't understand is that James is pulling from one of the parables of Jesus. I'm sure he heard the parable of Jesus. That parable is found in Matthew 13. He talks about the implanted Word of God as the seed, as the Word of God falls on good ground. You remember the parable. He says that it takes root and it bears fruit. That we're we're preparing ourselves. We're quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger and receive the Word of God. Putting those things out of our life that dishonor God. That does not bring glory to His name. And we receive that basically the same parable of the parable of the sower, of the seed, of the good ground. We also see that He says it's able to save our souls. But then we see in verse 22, I've already gave it away. But be doers of the Word and not hearers only. Deceiving yourself. A lot of people hear the Word of God, but they don't do the Word of God. They hear it all day. Eventually it becomes noise. I don't know how many of y'all sleep with your fan on. I'm a light sleeper. i got to have a fan on. I, I, because I hear stuff outside. I hear squirrels in the trees. i I got good hearing and i got to have a little bit of noise. And a little while I don't even notice the noise and I go off to sleep. 
A lot of people who come to church are the same way. They hear the preacher. They hear him franting and yelling. They see the sweat and the tears. And it's just noise to them. But there's some who hear the Word of God. And they do the Word of God. Some people go to church. Some people are the church. You see the difference? You hear what I'm saying? Some people actually do what this says. And the ones who actually do what says the Lord... Or he is. That's why the wheat and the tear grow together. They look just alike. The wheat and the tear. The wheat holds nutrition with the grains inside, but a tear has nothing inside. It's hollow. All it does is look just like the real thing, but it's good for nothing. They grow together. But it's not my job to go across each pew and say, You're a tear, you're a wheat. I let God do the gardening. I just plant the seed and let God do the watering. And how I know you're really His is because you do what He says. Because we see in Matthew chapter 7, in the last day there are many who say, Lord, Lord, didn't we do this in Your name? Didn't we do that? And He says, I didn't ever know You. In verse 22, but be doers of the Word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. We We must understand that people deceive themselves every day. Oh, I'm going to heaven because I deserve it. I said a prayer when I was eight years old. And I live like hell ever since. I'm going to heaven because I tithe. I'm going to heaven because I sing in the choir. I'm going to heaven because I'm a preacher. I'm going to heaven because I got good credit. I'm a Republican or a Democrat. I'm going to heaven and put here whatever answer. If your answer is not... I'm going to heaven because of what Jesus has accomplished on my behalf. Being a penal substitute. Taking my place on the cross. Taking on the wrath of God instead of me. You're wrong. And I know I said a lot there. Let me just say this. I'm going to heaven because of Jesus and Jesus only. He says that people deceive themselves. Verse 23-4, if anyone is a hero of the Word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself in verse 24 and goes away and at once forgets what he's like. As he looks at his natural, his natural face, he, he, looks at his cur- he looks at his creases in his face, but as soon as he walks away, he forgets what he looks like. Many people come to church on a Sunday and a Wednesday and they hear the Word of God before we even say Amen and they go to the door, they have already forgot what the Lord has commanded over their lives because they came into it not being quick to listen, but being quick to answer. They're going to do what they want anyway. We got me and my wife have this phrase, people are going to do what they want. I can't make anybody live holy. I can't make anybody study God's Word and hide His Word in their heart that they might live to honor Him. I can't. But all I can do is be faithful for what He called me to do and do what He called me to do. Far too many times people get caught up in what everybody else is doing. Why don't you just stay in your lane? And do donuts in your lane. Because that's what I'm doing. I'm doing donuts in my lane. I'm just doing, God called me to do this and we're going to burn rubber right here. This is what He told me to do. Preach the Word in season and in out. Be ready. Bring an account before the people of God. Say what saith the Lord. These are the oracles of God. And here's what He calls you to do. Be quick to listen. Mm-hmm. Amen. That's right. Slow to speak. Mm-hmm. And slow to anger. 
Amen. Preacher, can why, why can't you stop being quick to speak, slow to listen, and being quick to anger? Because that's a lot easier. Do the hard thing. Do the hard thing. In Romans 2, 13, for it is not the hearers of the law who are righteous before God, but the door of the law who will be justified. It's the one who does it. If I really want to know what you believe, I'll see how you live. If you really believe that Drano is poison, you ain't going to drink Drano. I'm not going to go to your house and say, hey, Pastor, you thirsty? Yeah, I'm thirsty. Oh, we got Drano, we got rat poison, and we got sweet tea. Oh, give me the sweet tea. I'll tell you the sweet tea, you can have the Drano because I believe that, that Drano is going to kill me. Oh, you don't believe that, do you? You're one of those people who believe that rat poison kills you. Yeah, I believe that. And you'll be a believer too once you eat it and once you drink that. If you believe that, you'll live that way. There are people who really don't believe they're going to hell for the way they're living. They don't believe it. I can stand here and preach to them blue in the face and tell them that they need to repent. For there's a God in heaven whose wrath is on them. But they won't believe me. But if you really believe that God's wrath is on people who gossip, that His wrath is on people who lie and full of envy and conceit and arrogance, if you really believe that God is not okay with pornography, if you really believe that God is not okay with sleeping around, defiling the marriage bed, if you really believe that God does not want His name blasphemed either on television or out of your lips or reading in a magazine or in text, if you really believe that God calls you to honor your mother and father no matter how old you are or how old they are, if you really believe that you are to honor the Sabbath day and keep it holy, if you really believe that you shall have no other gods but the one true God in Him only, then you'll live that way. Amen. You, you would live that way. No question about it. I'm going to do that because I believe He's God. And He put these requirements upon me and I'm going to live that way. Or you're deceiving yourself. Whenever you sin before God, you're saying, you're a liar. You're not really wrathful. You're going to wink at my sins. Isn't it all under grace anyway? If you do that, you're using grace as a calling card to get out of hell. Did you know that God will save you from your sins, but He will also deliver you from your sins? There's some people who want to be saved from their sins, but not delivered from the sins. They want to still sin. They still want to be able to sin and lust and lie and slander and gossip. They still want to have idols, other things they live for. Even though Jesus died for their sins, they still want their sins. They still have an appetite. They still have a taste for those sins. They still want to entertain the very things that put Jesus on the cross, to be honest with you. But I don't want to entertain anything that will dishonor my Master. I want to do what He called me to do. You know what I'm preaching here is called holiness. And righteousness. And I don't get a lot of amens. I know that. I know that because people are examining their own hearts. And I'm examining mine right now. Am I holy before God? Or do I relish in the very things that put Jesus on the cross? I understand. I feel you. It cuts coming out and going in. Am I being holy before Him? Am I a doer of the Word? Do I really believe this? And if I really believe it, I'll be doing it. Otherwise, I'm looking in the mirror. And I'm walking away forgetting what I even look like. 
He looks at himself in verse 24. We're about to finish. We're going around third now. We're about to be home. For he looks at himself and he goes away at once forgetting what he was like. In verse 25, but the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Amen. Let me unpack this just for a minute. He says the perfect law. The perfect law will be the law of Moses. If you don't know it, I just went through the law of Moses found in Exodus with you. I talked about envy, lying, murderous, uh, uh, murderous heart. I talked about being jealous and prideful. I talked about anger and bitterness. I was going through the laws and the Ten Commandments. That's the perfect law that we're talking about here in the text. But also, he talks about not only the perfect law, but the law of liberty. The law of liberty is the gospel. These two laws go together. The law of Moses, the Ten Commandments, and the law of liberty, the law of Christ and grace, they work together. They're not against each other. How does that work? Well, we read in the book of Romans 1, 2, and 3 that the law slays us and kills us. No one can keep God's law flawlessly. It's perfect. But then comes grace. It gives us mercy. Oh, it forgives us. Oh, I know you. You've sinned and you've blown it consistently. But I forgive you. But not only do I forgive you, I give you the strength to keep the law from now on. I give you the desire to honor God and love Him. For our God is not a God who just gives cold laws and we're to be robots and serve Him. Even being angry at Him while we serve Him. He gives us grace and empowers us and causes us to love Him and His statutes and His rules. It causes us to long to please Him because He has shown such grace and mercy towards us. That's what we see here in the text. He who looks into the perfect law and the law of liberty and perseveres. The only way you'll persevere tonight is because God's hands on you. He'll bring you through it. Being a hearer who does not forget, but a doer who acts. This is speaking to somebody here tonight. He will bless you in His doing. He gives you the strength to do it and He'll bless you while you're doing it. You you understand what I'm saying? That Lord, I'm going to honor you. I'll be quick to listen and you'll bless me when I'm quick to listen. I'll I'll be slow to speak and you'll bless me in my slow to speak. And I'll be slow in my anger and you'll bless me in my slow to anger. Isn't that just like our God? Who tells you to do something and when you can't do it, gives you the strength to do it. And then when you do it, He rewards you. Because you did it. That's just like our God. Do you think that's why in the book of Revelation, when He crowns His saints, we take off the crowns and we throw them at His feet. You think that's why? Because God, You told me to do this and I couldn't even do it. So You gave me the strength to do it. And now I'm doing it. And then You turn around and bless me. You double crown me. That's just like our God. So let us learn to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Let's bow our head.